The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Moncton Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. I'm recording this on Wednesday night, and I'm going to stop rhyming right now, um... (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, it's been quite a day. I mean, uh, we ha- didn't have any MMA Junkie Radio today. It was uh, canceled. If you follow the news, uh, as I don't, there were some mysterious packages sent to uh, politicians and offices amongst the East Coast and Eastern Seaboard approximately about 5 a.m. this morning. And... Uh, and yeah, the Sirius XM building had to be evacuated. So everyone's okay. So is producer Danny. So no worries there. Uh, hopefully, you know, it's not as serious as the news made it out to be. And uh, yeah, everybody's okay. But that's the age. It's the age we live in, people. It's, it's a crazy age indeed. But the day before in Junkie Radio, we had uh, uh, John Morgan uh, on to co-host and, and talk some news and... Uh, you know, it's not often John will put on the tin tinfoil hat. You know, he's 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 a soldier on the front lines. You know, he's his reputation is well known and well respected. So when a guy like that puts on the tinfoil hat, uh, you best be listening. And and sure enough, no sooner than he did, it got a bunch of other people's ears wiggling. Uh, not just mine, not just yours. Uh, as you saw, Ariel Hawani report and, and th- you know properly cite us over, uh, over on MA Junkie Radio. But uh, yeah, John was letting us know, like, kind of connecting the dots, if you will, and you couldn't deny it once he was kind of laying it out of the, yes, that's right, the one FC, quote-unquote, I'm using big air quotes here, trade with UFC, the Ben Askren contract, and uh, Demetrius Johnson. Uh, the whole uh, rumors uh, that, that have existed before, but that have re-sparked about the UFC wanting to get rid of flyweight, and you look at the writing on the wall as far as why would they would suggest that they're... Lesser tenured flyweight champ move up to face the sitting bantamweight champ rather than the other way around or complete, of course, obviously the standing trilogy in the division with DJ. And, and, and yeah, you, you connect those dots and I believe on the calendar there's only four flyweight fights remaining that are booked for the rest of this year. So, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, all the journos hitting up and uh, interviewing uh, flyweights, getting their takes on it. I know I'm interested. Kind of hoping we have some this week on our on our show, but uh, I know we'll have to be kind of cram our guests in. We had a uh, whole Frank Namir no show us no show us a couple times this week, but we're I think we're trying to get him back on for sure, and um, the guests as well that we had originally scheduled for for today we're going to reshuffle. But yeah, that's, that's for uh, MMA Junkie Radio. But you, you can give uh, that show a listen if you're not already. Um, 
Also, uh, yeah, I hope you guys liked the last episode we did here, number 97, almost to 100. I, I don't know if I'll do anything that crazy, you know, says the guy, you know, you know does nothing for his birthdays. I don't, I don't say to celebrate anniversaries that well, let's just say. But I, I do want to do something cool. Um, maybe have a couple guests on, or if not on at the same time, do some pre-records of uh, guests who have been on the Protected Neck podcast uh, for a minute and, and whatnot. It'd just be nice to to hear from the people who make this uh, this show possible. It's not a big show, as you know. It's not been going on for long. But it's an important one to me, and uh, it means a lot that you guys have been listening along, especially like now that I've been doing you know these truncated versions, uh, you know the the Fight Vault, which obviously I pay homage to the Film Vault. Go listen to the Film Vault, great podcast. Thankfully, top fives aren't copyrighted; otherwise, they'd sue my ass. Um, but uh, at the risk of it, um, yeah, I, I take no shame of admitting it. Yeah, I definitely, you know. You, any great person will tell you, you take something and you make it your own. And I like to think that I'm doing that, but at the same time, I, I make no qualms where I get um, inspiration from, and I like to pay respect to that. Um, but but yeah, uh, doing these truncated versions for May Junkie, these video versions, if you will. Um, I forget what I was originally going to say about it, but I will say this about it. for you. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm having to go back now and kind of listen to these episodes to get little... You know, because my, even though I take a pretty detailed notes, they don't have everything, you know, uh, the, uh, written on there. Um, sometimes I have to go back to these episodes where, you know, when, when I recorded the episode at the time, all the research for the top five was fresh in my head so I could remember these little tidbits of information and, and, and sort from there. And my God, I just want to say thank you guys for listening, seriously, because God is a pain to go back and listen to my jawing ass. I mean, I... I cringe for myself from just a month ago, and I have to listen to myself from almost a year ago now, because my first episode was post UFC 207, so New Year's Eve-ish, New Year's Day-ish of 2017, uh, beginning of 2018. This podcast started, but yeah, I mean, I was oh man, I was, I was going back and listening to some, and, and it's a, it's a trip, man. So, so thank you guys for putting up with that, and uh, for you hardcores who who actually followed or, or are brave enough to go back and listen to those, you will notice just a heads up now. Um, you, some of these top fives will be changed, uh, not because uh, I'm being fair weather or whatnot, although, uh, believe me, some of them like, what were you thinking, Dan? Come on, you were trying to be too hipster here. You're really going to put out a, a top five list and not have this? But at the end of the day, it's your list, so I stick to it for that reason. But uh, in case you don't know uh, or haven't noticed, uh, Junkie, we got a sweet sweet uh, deal as far as being able to use footage for these um for, for these uh, video segments, which is uh, part of the reason why I'm even able to, to, to bring that version to life here outside of the podcast uh, to MMA Junkie. Uh, but as great as it is to have access kind of to that Fight Fast library, things outside it, uh, we, 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 uh, we, yeah, we, we, we can't use. So, uh, you know, so if Dan had picks from, you know, Mars Reality Fighting or uh, Dream or any of those, they may move to be honorable mentions or kind of off the list sometimes in general. So if you do see adjustments to the list, uh, not selling out, at least not for without reason. But but either way, we actually I, I'm, I'm really stoked with these lists. I'm really stoked with this project. Uh, I, I can actually, well, I've been having trouble sleeping, to be honest, with this cast. Uh, healing good, I hope. I don't know. It's my first time kind of healing. I thought I was Wolverine. Uh, 
<laughs> aside from breaking toes, I haven't really broke bones too much in my life. So, but yeah, I think I'm healing great. But yeah, I've been able to get too much sleep with this cast. But uh, but yeah, I couldn't really even sleep the night before. I was so excited to film film, film these things. So I hope you guys like it. We'll be rolling those out in the coming months. Um, I have PFL written on my topics here, but I can't really remember what I was going to talk about. Uh, although I will say, even though I didn't watch it uh, live, I just kind of caught highlights and results. Uh, uh, old Danton was out being social, was enjoying myself. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was nice to tune out from some MMA. Oh, by the way, uh, out enjoying myself, I went to a whiskey bar and... Uh, Dougie, uh, Strong Style Jiu-Jitsu, recommended me to have some Yamazaki 12-year. I finally got around to that. It was really good. Um, it was, yeah, it was definitely solid. It, a little pricey, though, man. I knew it was going to be pricey, but as far as, you know, for the price point in, uh, I found a, was it, Titsu? God damn it, I don't have the name. I'm going to pull it up right here. It was a single malt, though, because uh, I was asking for something smoky and something Japanese, because I, I had some... At this ramen bar, and it was really good, and, and I like Twitter because a bunch of people chime in with their suggestions, so I like to make sure I try those and then pay those off, and I was going to post it, but it, it was too late, so let me uh, pull up the picture here real quick. Uh, Taketsuru Pure Malt. Kura Pure Malt. Yeah, that was, it was amazing. Going to have that again, so thanks for that recommendation, sir. All right, I guess that's the uh, PFL recap. Um... I also have JRE written here, but that's just going to send me into a diatribe about uh, him and uh, I love him and Ari, but that little thing about fucking Asian actors and uh, yeah, anyways, you know, that's a soft spot for Dan, so I don't even want to get there. But what I will say is in their defense, because I do love Joe and Ari and um, it's like... Uh, you know, I used to listen to like, the Rogan podcast since, since the beginning because like, I accidentally stumbled onto the first podcast live while it was going. I didn't listen to very or I didn't follow very many people on Twitter. I was just new to Twitter at the time. And uh, like Joe Rogan posted something like testing. Is this thing on? It was I clicked it link and it was uh, that 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 uh, a famed uh, snowflake uh, recording podcast, so to speak. Anyways, uh, obviously, uh, I didn't listen religiously for the last for, for, for the last many, many years now and would kind of just just tune in, tune in on occasion. But uh, what I will say in defense, because, you know, even like guys like Shab, who much easier target out for obvious reasons for people to come at uh, that in defense of these guys, whether it's other people or even myself at times being critical uh, for these guys. And I respect and admire these guys. I, I really do, uh, obviously. Uh, but I will say in their defense is I've heard them say this before, and it sounds like the most bullshit excuse is like, Oh, when you talk so much, your job's to talk, you're eventually going to say stupid shit. Like, it sounds like the most, oh, cry me a river, but but trust me, I'm not trying to play a violin. It's, it's You can talk in any aspect for a job, whether it's radio, entertainment, fuck, that's, that's awesome. Uh, but, but at the same time, now that I've got to experience that for myself, I now understand what these guys are saying um, in that regard. Because uh, obviously I say tweet and... Uh, even in my breakdown, which I'll, I'll address later as we get to it, uh, I'll, I say super stuff all the time, and uh, and I get it, I get it. But uh, let me take a drink of water. I have Halloween written here because Halloween's written around the corner and uh, right around the corner, and uh, it's my favorite holiday yet once again. Despite it being my favorite holiday, I, I will not be dressing up, and I guess that makes sense because I'm an adult. 
But uh, I think for like the last decade, I feel like I haven't dressed up maybe like once. And not for lack of trying. I mean, I think two years I tried really hard, but I was cursed because I got just like ripped off or like the shipping was wrong. And I, I tried doing the same costume over and over again. I should have learned my lesson. It was, uh, you know, those like tight suits, the green man suit and those like spandex, like Japanese suits. I went to one of those sites to fuck around because I couldn't think of any, like, costume ideas. And I, I realized they have, like, these, like, superhero, like, tight costumes. And they had this, like, 1950s Robin, you know, like the Burt Ward Robin, like, old school, like Adam West. And uh, it, so it was like, the, the old school Robin with the shorts and the, the short sleeve, except it was super tight and uh, left nothing to the imagination. So old Dan Tom was like, oh, I'm going to get one that's, like, a size too small for me. Especially with my creepy mustache, you know, my comb over. And I would just be, you know... Creepy Robin, because no matter... Here's another thing about being Asian-American is, like, it sounds stupid, I know, and you shouldn't care, especially the 20-fucking-18. But uh, even just growing up, especially, like, in the 90s, it was just, like, any costume idea I had, it was immediately followed by, no matter <laughs> friends, family, but you're Asian, but you're brown. But you're, and, you know, you know so I, I kind of gave up real fast on trying to actually, like, look like anybody real fast. <laughs> As sad as that sounds. So I, my, my thing is just to take comical takes on things. So I don't know if you guys have any cool Halloween costumes. You can go ahead and tweet me. Someone said I should still dress up this year. But like even with a cast, I don't know if I could. But it's funny because my finger really got messed up. So it's this weird like cast that, uh, that like kind of goes up the finger mold. And since I got it in all black, it essentially looks like a bowling glove. So... I was like, holy crap, one of uh, another costume that Dan Tom never tried, but it was one that I always, oh, you know, was in the was in the fantasy, uh, the fantasy uh, banks of, oh, I want to do that someday. I'm a big movie fan and a big, big Lebowski fan. So I was like, man, man, I could be the Jesus, you know? I've got uh, I've got the facial hair, I've got a goatee, I've got the cast that looks like a bowling glove, and I'm a pervert, so I'm like three quarters of the way to the costume. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Eight-year-olds, dude. No, just kidding. I yeah, but honestly though, if I get a purple bowling suit and like just you know sew in Jesus and like a black fishnet, I think I, I think I pretty much got a, got a uh, oh my god, got a costume. I just thought of a, oh, I just thought of a story, and I don't know if I should tell it because I don't think the statue of limitations have quite reached, and uh, that fighter is no longer an obscure amateur fighter that I once knew because he actually ended up fighting Aaron Pico, and you can do the math from there. But uh, yeah, I won't tell that story. But yeah, it had to do with a, it had to do with a, a big Lebowski quote. I also have to, I have written '90s here. Oh yeah, that's why uh, Netflix. Um, actually, you know, every once in a while, I actually don't watch fights, believe it or not, and I watch the '90s documentary, especially you guys who listen to MMA Junkie Radio. No, I'm a 90s head, like anything I bring up from music to sports or whatever. And man, I'm enjoying those uh, little uh, docu-series, if you will. Um, there's a lot that's coming out. I, I know um, producer Danny's getting me, trying to get me to watch Making a Murderer 2. Uh, Daredevil, which I, I came around to. I didn't like the first season because it just felt like, god damn it. Foggy and uh, Matt Murdock, like it was that real fucking Sam and Frodo feel. Like I'm the most least homophobic dude, but like it, it, I, the the relationships they write between those characters, it's like dude, you guys should just fuck already, please. <laughs> Sorry for farting earmuffs, but it's just like, 
<laughs> Foggy, the character friend of Daredevil, like anytime they have a falling out in the office, like he's just like complaining about it in the next scene, like like going to the bar, like Zach Morris in the '90s going to the beach, and then you know the problem solved himself, like is. This is really lazy, annoying writer's dynamic. Like, what, what is going on here? Is this really? It's really becoming distracting. Like, is this? Is this guy have feelings beyond for his friend here, Matt? Like, what, what, let's just get to the Punisher stuff. Like, I'm more into what what Fisk is doing. Like, this is this is tiresome. <laughs> God, I hope I didn't come off <laughs> like a bigot there. Hopefully, you took that with the spirit that it was intended. But feel free to recommend me anything that you think uh, I should check out on Netflix. I'm still late on a bunch of things. I'm still fucking late on uh, Deadpools, all right? I haven't seen either of them. So Dan Tom's got a lot of catching up to do. Um, by the way, Jiu-Jitsu, you tweeted me shortly before I was recording, and I didn't want to distract myself anymore from sitting down to record this, so I didn't tweet you back. But I will. Uh, I'm going to quote tweet you because Jiu-Jitsu at HipHopson76 uh, normal listener to the podcast, wanted to know what my favorite horror movie is. He, he, he knows my MO. Uh, he knows what, he, he knows uh, I like the movies. Um, so I'm probably going to just get a, a little list together uh, of my favorite um, horror movies, and uh, I will put that out sometime Thursday that I think is optimal, um, which will probably, I'll say morning, and then end up not having time, which will make sense because there will be some crazy MMA news that will just, bury it along with my other tweets so maybe toward the afternoon but i'll definitely post those up for you halloween and uh film heads um ufc 229 fallout's been beaten to death but i will say the hearing came out today and of course that's where the one million will be released to habib and another million will be held for safekeeping and uh the nasac or the fucking dog and pony shit shows i like to call it um are blaming the managers now. I really don't care about the smoke and mirrors bullshit. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I really, 229 has been kind of talked to death and the fallout is not interesting to me. So how about let's get to this little thing called UFC Moncton. UFC Fight Night 138 going down up in Canada. It was a nice week break from that 229 madness, especially with Bellator doing their big shows, which, by the way, oh, Dan Tom bought his tickets to Hawaii. Uh, I don't know what I'll be doing as far as work or media role, but I have to get my tickets anyways. I'm, I'm going up there for the 12th for a family thing, so I, I figure I'm going to stay for the week. Still still working out with the, what I'm going to do for work. I mean, I'm still going to be doing my normal breakdowns. Of course, you'll be able to find, but uh, obviously... Uh, the radio may or may not be a bit altered there for me, at least from my part of it. I don't want to say too much because, again, there's a lot in the works for how uh, we as a team want to cover that. And uh, I definitely uh, want to contribute if I can since I'll be up there. So we're still game planning that, but I'm excited for Bellator Hawaii, man. I'm just buying myself a little bit of the time as I'm pulling up. Yes, I didn't forget. I didn't get sidetracked. UFC Moncton. As usual in this podcast, I know, you know, last UFC breakdown podcast was a big one, so was a kind of a special one, so I went from top to bottom. But as per usual, we will go from bottom to top. Um, starting in the fight pass portion, and I believe, are we going FS2, FS1? What do they have for us before we start our ESPN fun? Yes, it is UFC fight pass, FS2, then we finish our night on FS1. So let's start on the fight pass portion of the prelims. Stevie Ray, who, unless they're in Scotland, seems to find himself this portion as well as Yasin Ayari, who 
has only fought on the prelims. He's only fought twice for the UFC. Um, he, Yesin's not fought since he fought, which surprised me, uh, earlier in, in May, I think May of 2017, fought Tarantil. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Oh. By the way, the odds, Stevie Ray, minus 150 favorite. Comeback on Yesin Ayari is plus 130 as of Wednesday night here. But yeah, um, Yesin Ayari hasn't fought since then. Um, I believe he's even had some fights at like 185 because, you know, he, he was, you know, stopped three times before he got to the UFC and got his fourth loss. He's only lost four times in his career. But a lot of those were early, six to eight years ago, and then the most recent and relevant one was to Abbas Magomedov, uh, who is no joke, who actually I picked. Uh, I picked. I, that's what I was going to say for the PFL and pat myself on the back. I, I picked both him and Luis Taylor to make it to the finals, and they did. So, yay, my, my, my research uh, <laughs> got a complete waste there, even though there was a, some a lot of change-ups in that bracket. But, yeah, uh, not a bad loss there. And the dude's tough. I mean, he does get rocked. He got rocked against Jimmy Wallhead. Obviously, he got rocked against Darren Till, but he recovers. He's hard to put away. Uh, he looks like he makes it an ugly fight. But just the year off and dropping down a weight class to 155, I mean, he looks like he's been staying light for a minute, you know, looking at his Instagram. Um, training at American Top Team, having Dustin Poirier as one of your main Southpaw training partners, not bad at all, like... I could totally see him making this an ugly fight using his size and strength, you know, to make this ugly. I mean, he just pretty much just fought a 185er. I mean, Darren Till was like 176 for that fight. Um, so I think that's going to be a factor. I mean, um, if you look, you know, Stevie Ray's a strong dude, and, and guys who fight will, will tell you that. But even, you know, granted, you know, Cajun Johnson's a, a talented grappler, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's not a strong, physically imposing guy or a wrestler by any means, but... He was able to, you know, hold his own in scrambles and so forth. And, you know, obviously we've seen other guys that, you know, uh, another guy who's not that talented, but actually, you know, similar size, a sizable lightweight himself, not as big, but maybe just as big. Who, who, who knows when it's all said and done. But uh, he fought uh, when Stephen Ray fought to Brazil, fought uh, Alan Patrick. Uh, not the prettiest, of course, but I mean, again, there, there's there's a definite path there for uh, Ayari. Um, he was a live dog. Uh, I don't know if I want to say I was leaning toward him. Uh, I really kind of stayed blank on a pick, but I was looking at him with interest. That said, the pick is Ray, but but I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, in Ray, Ray's defense, he he's training at a good camp too. Uh, obviously, TriStar, he's been kind of on and off there. I think it's more money fees. He was going through contract issues, but you know now he's got the contract stuff in order. Was feeling good going into his last fight. He even looked good going into his last fight. I think he thought he won, and you know I, I think Kahan, you know was. Uh, Kajan, whatever you, whatever the fuck you pronounce it, you know he was honest and 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 in his post fight, which I respect, and uh, he was he conceded a bit too, but but yeah, um, I'm gonna go with Stevie Ray here. Yeah, I'm just just it's not what I'm gonna touch. Um, over under, yeah, over is way too inflated, and and yeah, I'm not gonna touch it. Uh, but I could see uh, Yesen Ayari um, maybe stealing the decision. I don't know what these decision odds are offhand, but there are some crazy decision odds that I will talk about here that I have noted down. All right. Next fight is... Oops, sorry. Arjun Buller, minus 200 favorite. Uh, Marcelo Gomes, 
come back plus 170. Yeah, this was another fight that uh, I actually was leaning Gome. Um, was not super surprised to see him as an underdog because the line was a bit closer in the week and kind of got wider, I guess. But uh, it's just, you know, uh, I guess I had my head in Gome, athletic young, uh, got some knockout power, um, look closer, no jiu-jitsu credentials, not much there. Um, as far as that goes, uh, you know, came from Team Nogara, now ch changed up camps. Where's Buller? You had that loss in your head, but it's easy to write him off from that loss. I can't remember. I, I might have been on Buller, but I know I was on Weezerick really high on the uh, when he fought Sleep Train Hamilton, Anthony Hamilton, and uh, just because I I thought Weezerick uh, was deceptively good as far as his jujitsu, like a tall guy, like he had that, that kind of Stefan Struve effect. Um, and he was sick during the Hamilton fight and still managed to, to get it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, gets the submission. Nice home applaud. A very nice technique on it, by the way. Even going back and looking at it uh, on his end. It was more Arjun's. Uh, and if you look at it, Arjun was kind of asking for it because in the couple, uh, couple, the round before, because it was the submission was in the first round. So in the first round, I, I believe Weezerick attacks a Kimura, and you just see it. I think the problem was not that his, his improperly spread base, it's that his base got spread improperly, Arjans did, when, because he didn't follow the hips, you know? He didn't square, square up to the hips. Following hips or square up to the hips, you'll hear, square up, square up to his hips, follow his hips, you'll hear that. Uh, because when someone goes off to an angle for an arm bar, or they reach their side for a Kimura, or a triangle, omoplata, um, the way they get leverage for those techniques is getting off to an angle. So you have to kill that space and kill that angle and always kind of follow their hips. Um, you know, I would even keep kind of my, as, as, as a check, I'm, I was always keeping my, I would keep my inner thighs almost touching their outside of their hip bones and toward their ass, almost just like a, a nice little grip there, you know, and I, uh, staying on my toes, even when I was on my knees, the toes were ready, uh, re active toes. Um, and, and you just, just real basics like that, you know, hands inside the biceps, face-to-face, uh, -face, uh, you know, all the way in, all the way out, not at a 45, like real basic stuff that Arjun Buller wasn't doing. Um, he's a good wrestler, he's a, he's a competitor, which is ultimately why I'll be siding with him here, but it's not confident. Um, Golem in his defense was able to, to defend takedowns against Johnson, though Johnson, I think, was looking to stall for most of them rather than take him down, and Johnson... Not going to be as good or as diverse a takedown artist as uh, Arjun Buller is. Especially the way Arjun cracks down on that single leg. Um, he's like a little DC. And his hands don't look half bad. I mean, he's really confident. Uh, I was listening to an interview uh, he did with uh, Mike Bond and May Junkie. Uh, it's posted on May Junkie's YouTube if you want to go check out interviews. I always check out those interviews. I always go check out whatever interviews Jamie Lynch is doing, uh, which I'll probably cite and reference uh, in this card, um, but yeah, I mean, they're always really useful to see where the fighters' mindsets are at, and uh, I like where his mindset's at here, you know, he got some decent time in at AKA, um, but, but again, uh, would I be surprised if it, if it goes the other way? No, not, not at all, so this is a, this is a big avoid for me, to be honest, so, I, I stayed away, and even like the, I was looking at the over, because I was the over one and a half, I maybe would have considered it, 
But even the over the SMR, and it was 2.5, and even that's gotten jacked. I mean, most of these things are pretty, you know, the castle walls are high, as I like to say, as far as the lines go for the most part. And uh, a lot of that's the public, not a lot to play. They've been good about um, getting some lines out early recently. Um, by the way, I'm going off of five dimes, and uh, which is, uh, yeah. I feel really ignorant. I, I should have followed up and seen if there's any news on uh, what was going on with Tony. But for those following that situation, it's just some uh, sketchy, sad stuff. So uh, best to his family. I'll leave it at that. Uh, all right. Um, all right. Let's see here. Yeah, not much else to say about that fight. Let's go to the next fight. I'll pull about for that one. We are still in the fight pass portion. That's right. Josh Koscheck versus... Just kidding. <laughs> I say that because he looks like Josh Koscheck. That's a... Uh... God damn it. T. Edwards, minus 485 versus Don Mage. Comeback plus 385. Yeah, T. Edwards, uh, he's a guy... I, this was nice. I actually got to go back and refresh my memory with the... Uh, Series that I wrote uh, uh, this last one, the uh, grading the winners for Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, which I'll be I'll be bringing back uh, when that series comes back. By the way, for those of you who did, dug that, but uh, <laughs> I was writing in there, which is true. You know, I'm gonna go back and watch the footage. Like, yeah, guys, like a Josh Koscheck, you know, the wrestling credentials, the uh, the looks, even the way he strikes, he pitches that overhand right, and he has that left-handed fate, real similar to Josh. Um, training at the MMA lab. Going to have a lot of diverse looks, a lot of switch dance and southpaw guys to face. And that's what it looks like Don Madge is, you know, a Muay Thai guy. Um, he fights out of both dances, uh, southpaw and orthodox, it looks like, uh, from South African scene. But it's, it's weird. He's slightly more experienced as far as, you know, throwing punches and kicks and, and mixed martial arts, I guess. But, uh, you know, because, again thing with T. Edwards is he hasn't been out of the first round. That's the scary part about him, which is why it surprised me the line shot so high, though. The opener, I believe, was something kind of surprising. I don't want to quote it because I, I don't have it in front of me. But, but yeah, um, Madge is tough, man. I mean, as far as, like, you know, he's a tough dude. He definitely can bang for his size. But uh, he's not going to have the size in this one. He's fought, you know, undersized guys or just not very good guys and still not looked great. Uh, he just doesn't have good fight IQ on the ground and just in general. Like, his all his three losses are to the same guy. And, like, the first loss to him, like, it was, like, a weird... It looked like the Chandler Brooks thing, except he wasn't hurt like Chandler. He was, like... It was one of those things where he gets punched in the eye and uh, the fighter thinks it's a finger in the eye, which I get. Like, I don't fault the fighter for thinking that, but you can't depend on the referee to do your job for you or defend you, and you can't call your own timeout. And that's what he did, and he got the ref to go with it. But you see the cage side official kind of check the referee, going, why are you calling timeout? If there's no no reason, if you call the fight, that's the end of the fight, which is technically true. So the guy called the fight on himself, essentially. Um, so just, yeah, that kind of fight IQ, it's, it's weird. But, he, you know, he, he does seem underrated at wrestling, which I credit to the Muay Thai, because Mage actually trained in, in Thailand and lived there. And uh, so there's a lot of Thai wrestling and clinch wrestling. And... Uh, like I say all the time, you know, the, the strikers that are going to translate to to wrestling best in MMA are are, are are the people who come from Muay Thai, and that is, uh, and and he does show that. But again, that's T. Edwards' base and strength, and not only that, T. Edwards, you know, 
He's 155, but you know, I was looking at his Instagram, and there's pictures of him wrestling. I didn't realize that he wrestled like in 170. He wrestled much bigger. He was jacked. Like, he actually uh, went down in size, uh, which not not crazy. A lot of guys do uh, for mixed martial arts. It's kind of the, sadly the trend of our sport, right, with weight cutting. But, but yeah, so the dude's fucking strong, uh, I'd imagine. Um, so I'm going T. Edwards, but for that price, yeah, I ain't, I ain't touching any of that. The over-under is kind of everywhere, too. Um, yeah, I mean, I just wouldn't even touch this fight. I was going to say oh, over minus, over one and a half minus 115. That that actually may seem like somewhat... And then I'm like, nah, 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 it's not even worth touching. All right, next, Sarah Morass. Morass. Uh, minus 170. And Talita Barnana, Bernardo, comeback, plus 150. Uh, over two and a half, minus 240, but... Sorry, I'm drinking the water. Not low enough for me uh, still, and um, I don't know. At, at that point, you just might as well play Sarah, because uh, I think I think I, I think she's got this one. Um, Talita Bernardo seems like she needs to have the physical advantage to use her Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, uh, which I'm less confident on, especially you know. Mariner knows one thing. Mariner knows a really good brown belt, like who's actually competed IBJ, IBJJF and, and, and gotten medals. Um, but Arina Aldana, that's not her strength. And she was like judo tossing her, taking him out. Granted, she had her hurt first for a lot of those, but from the first round on, I mean, this wasn't a good sign. Um, not that she did it the whole time, obviously, but but just just some of the things that you know I saw from that fight. Whereas Sarah. For anything you could say about her, being physical is not the problem. Um, you know, uh, yeah, she got taken down and kind of out scrambled and just out fought by by Andrade. But you know, even even with the 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 that the fact that Andrade is a one fifteener now, that should take nothing away. I mean, Andrade was still a force and giving girls fits at one thirty five. Uh, so Sarah Morass was no different. Um, but more importantly, she changed scenery, you know, I don't know what the issue was up in Canada or if there is one, I don't want to speculate, but, but, uh, she's down here at Extreme Couture and she's clicking with, uh, one of my coaches, uh, Dennis Davis, who's a really good coach. Um, and, uh, being a jujitsu guy and just Dennis, and Dennis works well with uh, the female fighters and, and knows how to, how to bring them along well, um. So yeah, and and she's meshing well. She's she's really digging it, uh, and uh, I just think it's going to be a good thing. Now I will say again, I don't be a hypocrite here. Uh, like I'll, I'll repeat on the main event and other fights. Whenever you have a fighter switching camps, there's always that adjusting period. So that's something to watch out for. That's why I'm not crazy. I'm not playing this fight, or not telling you to go right out and play it. But um, but yeah, uh, I do got Sarah here. So all right, uh, Calvin. Keda minus two seventy versus Chris Fishgold plus two thirty. Now uh, it was interesting. I I've, I feel like I've seen Chris Fishgold's name forever, but I've never really like sat down and watched him fight. Believe it or not, um, and he's been kind of inactive in these recent years. Kind of only fighting once a year. Injuries, issues. He did compete in Polaris, but as far as MMA goes. Um, but I liked what I saw, you know. It, it's a limited sample size of striking and, and limited sample size, slash a skewed sample size overall. I mean, I actually went back to watch everything on this, guys, because 
this is the first time really diving into him. Uh, but uh, he essentially has a lot of like first round finishes, and then as far as relevant sample size goes, or more relevant, um, he's got a five round fight in there, which was nice to go back to watch. And uh, I think his cardio, he showed enough to not worry about a three round fight, and he was or no no he, this was a different fighter. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head how much uh, notice. I'm pretty sure he had full notice because he was signed. He was signed like right after, like the day after, or something like the the Till Thompson, the Liverpool card. So I want to say, yeah, if he was signed then, I'm sure he's had somewhat of a full camp uh, for this uh, matchup. Uh, even though it's like, who's this guy? He's facing Calvin Qatar, but it's uh this dude. This dude's no joke, man. Uh, he's a live dog here. Um, I'm picking Calvin, but Chris is really, you know, I hate to say really good wrestling for an English guy, but I, and, and it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it's true. He's it's really, he's is a really good wrestling. You know, he really stays close to the hips. He's got really good drive against the fence. He can do reactive shots as well. Um, he hustles his ass off. He transitions really well on top. He's a really good back taker, uh, works well when guys turtle on him. Um, there's no fish out of his uh, fish out of the water when he is on his back. He's got sweeps. Uh, he's a dog. He can hit stuff when he's tired. Um, it's gonna be a real nightmare of a fight and a real dog fight and a real close fight if Calvin allows this to be a grappling match in any shape or form. Uh, and the thing is, you got to go back to Calvin's regional fights to see him do you know even a decent amount of grappling. But that's so hard because they're so sporadic from a while ago maybe not from the best competition it's not the most reliable sample size and then you got like you know the two takedowns that were shot on him which weren't really too much you can take for from from the feely fight though feely does have an underrated blast double that said those weren't feely's best attempts that he shot on him so he did, you know the 0 for 2 really didn't tell us much though we did defend so i mean that's what i'm going to be looking for here now calvin's no slouch uh Sounds like he's smart on that. I'm pretty sure this was an interview I saw with James Lynch. Shout out to James. Um, that, uh, you know, he was bringing in a lot of wrestlers and doing extra wrestling. And the fact that Calvin's, are, you know, I, I, it didn't show too much in his Instagram. But I know, at least in the last few camps before, he's been doing a lot of cross-training as well at Lozon MMA. And that's a great, a great training partner, a great place to train if uh, you're facing a guy like Fishgold. So, we'll see. But this fight feels like a trap fight. This fight, it's like what Feely, it's like he's in Feely's spot when he fought, when Qatar fought him. Now Qatar's in Feely's spot, you know, with his newcomer coming, who's, uh, who I think is, uh, it could be for real. Uh, as far as a player in the division, I don't know about that, but as far as this matchup, yeah, uh, for real enough to be a live dog. But, but the pick's Qatar. All right, uh, Nazrat Hakparas, minus 900. Jesus Christ. We're in a, oh yeah, by the way, we're, we've been in an FS1 for a minute now. Sorry about that. And, uh, or we've been in FS2 since, uh, Sarah Morass. Sorry about that. And we're still in FS2 for the next two matchups. All right. And I'll probably take a break after that and going into the main card. Yeah, sounds good. All right. All right. Nazareth Hack Brass minus 900. T-Ball Guti plus 600. Yeah, this is just fucking jacked. All the lines, even if it's like minus 245 inside the distance, which I think Nazareth's going to get it inside the distance. But T-Ball Guti for 
as bad of a reputation and as bad of a UFC run as he's had, the guy works his ass off, man. Uh, he really committed everything he had to going down to Jackson, stuck with it, kept doing his camps there, still does his camps there. And in this last year off or so, uh, since we've seen him, he's traveled everywhere. He's been training at Alliance, at uh, Black House, uh, like a bunch of places. Uh, dude's traveling everywhere. I can't recall. I, it was a couple of days ago I looked at his Instagram. but um, And then, of course, yes, back at Jackson Wink and... Uh, you know, I don't want to write this dude off, you know, if it's not going to be for a lack of trying. I, it's really endearing. I almost want T-Bot Goody to do well, you know. If, not only say I feel bad for him by any means, but, you know, I want him to do well. But Nazrat's a guy, as you know, I've been high on him since uh, he came on to the UFC. Uh, I picked him to upset Held, even though he didn't. But I think people saw why. And, uh... And yeah, you know, he looks like Kelvin Gastelum, which everybody knows now. And and it's all those tweets going out, which was funny seeing how much people do those comparison tweets. And uh, his wrestling's not bad, you know. Uh, training like TriStar has been training there since before he got to the UFC, and and, and uh, looks like he was a training partner of GSPs for a bit. A slim GSP, they almost look the same size. Ugh, excuse me, in the Instagram photos, but uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, man, the kid's, the kid's the truth. He's only 23, which is freaking scary. Um, but, yeah, I think he's going to get the finish here. Uh, either some ground and pound or strikes and then finish on the ground is my call. But fucking A. Uh, I ain't touching that fight as far as betting-wise goes. All right. Last one for the break. Last fight on the prelims. Sean Strickland, minus 120. Nordine Taleb, plus 100. Both these guys are coming off somewhat surprising um, somewhat shocking, fast defeats. Uh, Claudio Silva, of course, who was like fucking was gone for like four years, came out and just dogfighted Taleb, and Taleb made one stupid decision, going for a leg lock and then spinning the wrong way on it, which is showing a real weakness. As again, Taleb, for a guy not known for his ground, he's a good Muay Thai guy, which means he's good in the clinch and he stops a lot of takedowns. But I think he does that in practice too because. He must not be getting the time off of his back. Seeing the just not just seeing the choices, the decisions, and the attempts at executions was just really surprisingly bad for a guy who you kind of label as well-rounded. Um, so I don't see Strickland having the wrestling to get him there. But if he does get there, he's going to be in a lot of fucking trouble with Sean Strickland. Uh, that being said, Strickland, I'm picking Strickland here, but I see why it's close because I'm picking Strickland for his jab, but. And the jab is something that gave, gave Taleb trouble in the past, like in the fight with Ponzinibbio. The problem is Strickland's not a pressure fighter or a high-volume guy as uh, Ponzinibbio. That said, he puts out more of a volume than Taleb on paper, and uh, he moves laterally when he does so. So even though he doesn't move forward, he will move back. He will move laterally more so than back. And uh, I think those angles are going to help him out. They're going to take away the leg kick looks uh, for Taleb. And the fact Taleb like does best when guys like ki uh, kick him because he, he's so good at countering kicks in so many ways. But I don't think he's going to get a lot of those from Sean Strickland. I think Sean Strickland is just going to pop him, pop shot him. And uh, if it goes on the ground, uh, I think Strickland's going to have it wrapped up there, whether he's on the top or bottom. I think he he, he can sweep or, or uh, maybe even submit, uh, depending on the circumstances. Um, that said, it's... It's one of the more playable lines 
if I wanted to, but I haven't decided yet. I may sprinkle on Strickland if it gets lower or if it just stays at a playable minus 120. I may just sprinkle to if I'm trying to be degenerate and keep some uh, interest in the game. But I'm not going to tell you to run out and bet it, but that's how I see the fight going. Um, I do see it going to decision. Uh, unless one of the guys just really, really catch the other one good. But I think they're going to have their guards up after what happened on both last time. And on that beat, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to break down the main card for UFC Moncton right here on the Protect the Net podcast. Cucarachas enojadas. Tech Connect podcast for the main card, UFC Moncton. All right, we are now on FS1, and that is going to bring us to Alex Garcia versus Court McGee. Alex Garcia is the favorite, minus 190. Court McGee, come back on him, plus 165. This one, uh, this was one I, I initially came in leaning toward Garcia. Uh, he's showing that, uh, you know, he's he's... he's he seemed like he was plateauing for a minute. Then he shows some life in that Muslim Salakoff victory where people were writing him off, uh, myself included, in the sense that I picked against him. And then he, uh, who the fuck did he, Jesus? Sorry, I, I did not break this one down today. I refreshed myself again. He just fight again. He just fought and lost. Oh, that's right, Ryan LaFlair. That's right. Ryan LaFlair. Um, whereas Court McGee... Yeah, he's coming off two losses as well, but but they're they're very very hard fought ones. Obviously, the Ben Saunders one, uh, it was really close. You could argue could have gone his way, and Sean Strickland, uh, which was announced as a draw, then announced uh, as a loss, and then as, as announced as a draw at the time, but but came up as a loss. I believe there was like a retraction there or something. But uh, he gave a, a Strickland a harder fight than I think most suspected, at least f- certainly me. I mean, I, I know I picked Strickland, and I didn't, but I didn't expect it to be as close. That being said, you know, even McGee, McGee credit where credit's due, it's easy to write him off. Like, oh, it's a cute story, the Amish-looking dude who overcame drugs, or, you know, if you want to be... Re- <laughs> but really, no, I mean, the guy, it, 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 aside from having what's well, an awesome story, you know, truthfully, honestly, obviously. Um... Man, the dude's a good fighter, you know. Uh, he, he's he's tough. I mean, even though I don't think that he won that fight against Robert Whitaker, he, he he has fights over, he has wins over guys like that for a reason. Is because he takes the guys' best shots. He's only been stopped once, and he keeps going. Even times where I thought the bottom was going to drop out on him, and he puts out volume. He's got the decent leg dexterity, kicks. He's not the world's best wrestler, but he gets after it. He hustles his ass off. He can change his levels in the open or against the fence. And ultimately, I think he's going to outwork Alex Garcia. Um, he puts out way more numbers in him. And even as far as the wrestling goes, uh, Alex Garcia can take him down. He is the better wrestler. He is the better uh, clinch wrestler, obviously, coming from the judo. Um, and he's the better grappler, obviously, you know, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, competitor. Uh, but 
he's more of a position guy. I mean, even his accolades is more like I think IBJJF where he's like playing for points and shit. Like he's not a submission dude uh, for the most part, you know, unless you really are gonna make like a, a mis you know, just turtle and give him the choke like Muslim did. Uh, I don't I think Court McGee's above that level. Um, and I think he's gonna make him work his ass off to where even if Alex I think that if Alex actually implements that plan, it'll be a detriment because I could see him winning the first round and not being in enough shape to keep up that pace that McGee is going to have in rounds two and three because we've seen McGee not just lose but get fucked up in the first round and come back and win rounds. So that's going to, you know, so he's essentially going to have to stop the guy who's only been stopped once. Now, McGee is getting older, so there is that trend going against him, but the trend going with him is that uh, he switched over to Factory X Muay Thai, unlike other Utah uh, native, um, pit elevated native, uh, I mean, not pit elevated, I don't know so much, but uh, Steven Seiler made that switch over as well. And uh, you see a lot of guys going over to Factory X and doing really well. Again, Mark Montoya is one of my favorite guys right now to watch in the corner. Uh, nothing flashy, nothing crazy, but just the way he guides his guys to the fire and... I really appreciate watching him work, and I think he's really doing something well behind the scenes as well to get these, helping these guys make these trends and turns. Um, and I see his his style uh, just only complimenting a guy like McGee's game. Um, he's not the type of coach that was going to try to change his guy's game either. So I think that's really good. Um, I played McGee at plus one sixty five. Is it still that? Yeah, it's still that. Um, I I just put a, a unit on it. Um, just for fun, because I really not play much. Uh, but yeah, that, that that is that. All right, next fight. Gian Vellante, minus 245. Ed Herman, the comeback, plus 205 as the underdog. Now, I played me some Ed Herman before as a dog. Uh, did me well against Tim Bosch. Not so well against uh, C.B. Dalloway. Actually, I don't even know if he was the dog against C.B. Dalloway. I do remember that I picked and played him, though. It didn't, 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 didn't work out for me. Um, but Ed Herman is like looking in the best shape or claiming to be in the best shape ever coming into this one, which is weird for a guy to say, but yet I also think like he's been doing most of his camps at 185. So he only had a couple fights at 205 and the first couple of them look like how most guys do it where they're just so happy. They don't have like a 20 or whatever pound weight cut ahead of them. So they kind of come in with a lot of junk weight. You know what I'm saying? They're kind of, they're kind of celebrating that they're up a weight class a little bit. So in that instance, um, Despite Ed Herman being around forever, I could see that. But, man, Ed Herman's been around forever, dude. He's like, now that Bisping retired, I think he's the only guy from Ultimate Fighter Season 2 that's on the roster, you know? And I think he's only, like, fought, like, once a year. So you factor that in with the state of the UFC where there's just way too many goddamn shows. Like, even staple guys are, like, detached and not showing up to all the shows or doing their research, like... Rogan or like even like White like doesn't probably doesn't even know half the fighters that that work for him or he doesn't even show up to most like we're in the stage right where it's kind of so business and corporate and detached like I could totally see a scenario like uh, with this one in particular with because Dana White knows fucking who Ed Herman short fuse Herman is like I could totally see I don't even know if Dana Dana's going to this fucking event but if Dana like shows up there like shows up at the event and sees Ed Ed Herman. Kind of back, you know, backstage, like, oh, Ed, it's been years, man. How have you been? What have you been up to since you've been in the UFC? Uh, I, I, I still fight for you. You do? I'm, I'm fighting this weekend. You, of course you are. Of course you are, bro. Good luck, man. It's good to see you again, huh? Hey, everybody. <laughs> I can totally see that happening. <laughs> like, 
Like, that's a perfect scenario for it. Like, there's probably a lot of shit that's changed these days, but that's a perfect scenario. Um, Ed, and Ed Herman is live, man, because I didn't see a lot of preparation from John Volante. Like, I was searching, like, Stipe's Instagram, Trimble's, Belmore's. I couldn't find shit on John Volante. Uh, Weidman's. Uh, I couldn't find shit on him, man. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but I got to imagine he's kind of doing the same stuff. Kind of, you know, for what it's worth, he does come in. He is consistent about the shape that he comes in, which is so-so. Eh, he, you know, he's got two solid rounds in him. Depends how the fight goes. Depends what kind of third round you're gonna get from John Vellante. And uh, his problem is that he's not been getting the finishes, or even been doing the do-or-die thing, where he would either finish or get finished. At least in the beginning of his career. Now he's just kind of getting in these close fights. Uh, whether you think he wins or loses, he's making enough decisions to where he he's. He can't complain. Either way, the decision goes, if you know what I'm saying. And that's the worry. And I've been a defender of John Volante. You know, um, good counter wrestling, which is probably part of the reason why I'm picking him here. Uh, I think he can keep it on the feet because Ed Herman's going to be the better grappler. But you know, Ed Herman, you know, used to wrestle himself. Although he's not, you know, he's not some lights out wrestler, at least at this stage in his career. But yeah, I mean, uh, Ed Herman's going to be live on the feet as well. I mean, the dude can swing. He he's got power himself. I mean, sure he's he's been he's been stopped a few times, I believe. Um, let me pull it up now. Um, but you know, he, it, I don't know if his chin's to the point where it's like. Uh, let's see, only three times. Yeah, I mean, shit. Those were early, too. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Derek Brunson, that's right. Ooh. Those were also, uh, those were also uh, middle. Well, that was a light heavyweight. Nikita Krilov. All right. All right. Okay. Well, I guess what I was going to say is, yeah, yeah. I guess my, my pick is right. I'm, I'm trying to talk myself out of my John Volante pick. But uh, I'm sticking to Volante. That's why I submitted for his staff picks. But I will say this. Um, I think he's got a better shot at stopping Herman. I think that uh, on paper really just uh, supports that, that, that it shouldn't be too much of an argument. So he should be favored. But minus 245, no, no. That's too much to ask for John Volante in general. Even in this matchup, because Ed, Ed Ed's live, um, and all really Ed has to do is not get knocked out, and I could see him just outpointing him just by throwing more. You know what I'm saying? Because John Volante kind of will throw the same things, and he he won't wow you with volume, and that became really apparent at least this iteration of close fight John Volante when he fought Sam Alvey, like the most lowest volume guy. And he really wasn't putting that much of a he w wasn't putting that much of a, a, a space between the two, despite it being a split decision and quote unquote close fight. Like he should have been able to put way more space between the two. So that being said, not only even though I'm picking Volante, not only is Ed Herman live at plus two hundred five, I'm actually sprinkling on Herman by decision. Let me just I wrote this down. Let me make sure it's still there, because, yeah. Ed Herman by three-round decision, plus 800? Plus 800? Shit. Really? 
Like Ed Herman like had his hands on his knees and was exhausted coming out for round two against CV, and still was still able to fucking scrap uh, until uh, scrap until the third round to where CB ended up being more tired than him and couldn't even could barely make it to get his hand raised. Um. So unless he stopped Ed Herman, he's gonna he's gonna keep scrapping. So plus eight hundred for a guy that's super live. For a fight that at this stage of these guys' careers, they both need a win, and they both been kind of going a decision. Jesus Christ, uh, I, I'm putting a quarter unit. Um, I'm gonna do that right now. I'm gonna do it while I'm on here. Me sit, making y'all sit through this. All right, your wager was accepted. Yeah, I just threw a quarter on that for a short fuse. Old Pacific Northwest. I wonder if Dennis Davis will be in this corner because they'll be up on the same card and they used to be uh, old teammates back in the uh, old Team Quest days. Dennis Davis, of course, uh, they're uh, cornering uh, Sarah Morass. All right, next fight on the main card is. Andre Sukhantat, minus 175. Come back on Jonathan Martinez, a.k.a. Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite, plus 155. Actually, Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite, and I believe his name is last name is Martinez as well, referees in Denver, Colorado, home of the funny-looking referees. All right. Sukhantat. Uh, um, only 175 against the newcomer, but it makes sense. Uh... Maybe they're impressed by the undefeated record mixed with John, uh, Andre Sukumtot's uh, not-so-great uh, IQ that he's shown, uh, of late at least. So, yeah, I, I guess I get that. But the Jonathan Martinez kid, you know, in his defense, he was... Uh, that was uh, that was another James Lynch interview there. Shouts to James. Uh, he was getting ready for a fight, I believe, on the 19th, so he just essentially gets like an extra week. So it's not like this was a, a crazy like uh, short-notice fight for him in that sense. Um, and he's, he's a scrappy kid, comes from a Taekwondo base, so he's good with his feet and good with his footwork, but he can throw hands too, he's really scrappy, he doesn't seem to get discouraged easily, but it's hard to tell where his chin, where his skills, and where his ceiling is, because he really hasn't faced anybody, not very good, uh, good guys, uh, for the most part at all, uh, very limited sample size, so now he's gonna go against Andre Sukumtat, who has a deceptive sample size, and, um, He's been in big fights, been in big organizations, been in five-round fights, been in regional title fights, fought decent guys on the regional scene, won, lost, you know, gave fights away at the last minute, won fights at the last minute. I mean, the dude's done a lot. Um, you know, poor, man Jose, poor man's Jose Aldo, good leg kicks, left hook, uh, underrated wrestling and wrestling defense, you know, he's that, that athleticism. Uh, that base and balance. Um, not training in Florida for this one. Looks like he's back up in the East Coast, Rhode Island area. So I'm not sure what kind of training he's getting for this one. Uh, I'm picking Sukupat here. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I guess minus 175 would rank where my confidence is on it too, I guess. Uh, though I'm not as confident in the, as the, on the Jonathan Martinez side of things, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm not touching that fight. Avoid. This would be on the avoid list for me. Remember the avoid list? Ah, the good old days. 
Alright, next fight. Here we go. Misha Serkinov, minus 450. Pat Cummins, plus 360. What the fuck is up with this line? It's come down to earth a little bit. But no matter what side you're on for this fight, this line fucking is crazy. Um, I was torn on it because... Not that I disagree with Serkinov being the favorite, but not by that much. Like, maybe minus 150 would be way, much more appropriate, but this minus 450 is way crazy. And I'm torn on this one. This this is tough for me. I got, you know, Misha Serkinov was relocated to Vegas. He's uh, really, uh, you know, training under Ray Sefo, who I think is going to be great for Misha Serkinov's southpaw pressuring style. Let's not forget, Misha's striking was actually looking good despite getting just iced by a guy like Ozdemir. you think he'd be gun-shy coming out against Teixeira. And he was, you know, overexcited and it got him in trouble, granted, but not looking terrible. And his intentions and the effort is what impressed me mainly in that equation. But working under Ray Sefo, I imagine that's going to be changed. Uh, and then he's, you know, really taken under the wing of Eric Nixick, who's making sure he's just getting all the training that he uh, needs and... Uh, is a, a really good corner man and, and uh, strategist even himself. So Misha's going to be in great hands, man. And for that, I want to back him, uh, you know, uh, alone. And Misha's just a really nice guy. Like, hell, I remember talking to him back in the day. Um, back when I worked with him, latest, I think. Uh, and he just was a nice, really nice dude. Um that said, uh, Pat Cummins, Filthy Pat. I always got love for Filthy Pat. Uh, even though he's a goofy dude who just gets the shit beat out of him every first round. And, you know, for a while it's like, what are you doing? Are you more worried about, you know, making your so hot sauces and riding your bike and taking mustache pics or being a fighter, dude? But, you know, in his defense, he's been working really hard. Um, and here's where I'm torn. Obviously, he's a Neil Melanson guy. My, my cat's wrestling coach. So it's like two families on opposite sides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that whole sort of deal. It's like they're at war with each other. Like, can't we just get along? So I, I was really fucking torn. So that alone was going to kind of fuck with my pick here. But maybe not, because if it was going to fuck with my pick, then I would have definitely gone with the favorite. The closer to home. Yada, yada, yada. However you want to say it. But no, man. I mean, out of principle, I should, I should, I was going to play this line for Cummings but I wasn't sure if I was going to pick him. But no, I'm picking Cummins here. Um, again, man. Ugh. Sorry, Eric, if you're listening to this. I love you guys. and <laughs> I hope you do well, but uh, even my, my bet or my pick aside, all, all honesty. But uh, yeah, I put 1.5 units at, at plus 385 when it was up up that high because I was that was just stupid. And I was like, yeah, this this can't get any higher than this, can it? Um, thankfully, it didn't because that's where I bought it at. Um and even if it's wrong, it's still a stupid price in hindsight. Like you can't be that sure either way on this fight. Um, Serkinov, you could question his chin, I guess, uh, but he didn't exactly go out with the Teixeira one. It was more he got out wrestled, which was not surprising. In my breakdown, I picked Teixeira to get inside the distance, although I picked him by second round, but it was because I felt that Teixeira was deceptively the better wrestler, and I feel that guys that are going to be the better wrestler are going to be a hard matchup for Serkinov. Um, so regardless of what you want to say about Misha's chin, I don't think it's going to come into play because Pat's not a knockout artist, obviously. But also, I don't think it's going to come into play so much the other way. Like, yeah, Pat is synonymous with just getting fucked up on the feet, but at the same time, 
he hasn't been stopped since the, I, I want to say the, I mean, the Noguera fight, but uh, granted he got fucked up in those last two fights, but you look at the Jan Blakowicz fight, granted it wasn't the best performance from Blakowicz, but you look at how Blakowicz has been doing, and people wrote that guy off too, that win aged pretty damn well, you know? And the fact that he was able to take uh, Blockowicz's left hand, which is really good. Like, that left hand rocked Jimmy. It rocked a lot of guys. Um, and, yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that he was able to take that and, and, and come back and, and keep fighting. And even, you know, in the fights where he, he lost recently, um, he was still he was still scrapping. Sorry, I'm t- my memory is just not really good right now on these fights. I'm trying to pull them up off the top of my head. I also looked at this one earlier in the week, too. It's another one. Yeah, Corey Anderson, which Grant and John Vellante, you know, you, whether you think he won or not, again, he just was was was, was making it a dogfight and making it ugly. And John, Bla- Jan Blakowicz, and as we're seeing Corey Anderson now, right, all three of those guys I think we can all say are more striking threats than Misha Serkinov, more proven striking threats. Does that mean Misha Serkinov's not going to turn a corner? No, he definitely has all the tools to turn a corner. Athletic, Southpaw, the Arsenal, the coaches around him, etc. But as far as what's proven, you could very well argue the last three guys, two of which Pat beat, all three of which Pat survived and never quit, were more dangerous strikers and put more in that field down than Misha Serkinov can. And at the end of the day... This is the weird. The weird sample size for Serkinov is his age. His wins don't age well, and that Ion Cute Lava win is a weird one, because Cute Lava was probably on roids. <laughs> you know, he tested positive, uh, and you know, let's be honest. But at the same time, Cute Lava hit him with quality shots, and M- Misha was like taking him, didn't look discouraged, like takes him to the ground, like you know, it's, it's a great performance, you know, uh, overall. But aside from that. The wins didn't age well, and the losses, it just looked really bad, especially that Glover one. I know, and I was listening to that interview you did with Lynch where he was saying, like, you know, he wasn't training with good guys, so when you get to those positions, you could feel like a fish out of water despite you're an accoladed grappler. So I get that, and I won't, you know, I, I say temper the criticism in that regard for a guy who grappling's a strength, and as soon as it went to the fight, he looked like he's a fish out of water. I think it was more... The surprise factor, sure, but that just didn't look good, man. It was not a good look. Um, same with the knockout of Ozdemir. Like, those, they were not, I don't know how to say this, like, they were weird-looking losses, and I'll just I'll just put it that way. They were really weird-looking losses, and I could see people questioning maybe his heart from him. Uh, I, I'm not, but... When you have the two losses like that and you kind of see how things go and you have a guy admitting that he was a tough guy and that's why he didn't know what to do when he hit adversity versus a guy at Pat Cummins. Yes, Pat Cummins loses most of his UFC fights as of late. Pat Cummins gets fucked up, win or lose every time. But the one thing you can't say about Pat Cummins, he, ain't, he doesn't fucking quit. You got to fucking kill that guy. He does not get discouraged. He does not quit. He does not stop moving forward. And he is actually getting better, even in the striking, even in the head movement, believe it or not. He's actually showing increments in his last three fights of improving those things. And he's went down to train at Alliance, which I feel is going to be real good for him, training with Phil Davis, a much better wrestler, uh, argue even better grappler, much better striker uh, than Serkinov and a southpaw. 
Um, plus, you know, I was like, Dom Cruz, Neil Melanson flew out there to help him with his camp. So, I mean, this it, I think it's going to be a really good fit for him. Uh, and I think he's going to turn this into a dogfight, essentially, unless unless Misha can, can really catch him and then capitalize with a submission or get Pat out of there um, with a well-placed shot and or follow-up then I see Pat just tested his will and making it an ugly dogfight. And then that, I'll take I'll take Pat Cummins. Uh, put 1.5 units on him. Again, no offense to Misha. Misha arguably could use the win more just because he's coming off of, even though he has a higher ceiling than Pat, for sure, he's coming off of two losses straight, so he definitely could use the win more. I love Eric Nixick. He puts his heart and soul into these guys. I want him and his team to do well. Obviously, Shin Couture. Um, so there's no malice in this. I actually feel bad, but if I'm just being honest and I got to, I know I was just talking about Jordan and it was nice. That was really refreshing hearing Jordan say, you know, like, yeah, you know, we're talking about, how, you know, I was, I was theorizing why my picks have, have, have not been great to say the least as of late. Uh, they've been piss poor actually, uh, at least for my standards, especially. And, uh, you know, just working in the media, radio, interviewing fighters, relationships and accrediting that and uh, so it makes it tough but uh even though i have relationships on both sides on this one i, I feel like i'm kind of going against the grain if it makes sense but uh but yeah i got pat cummins here all right next fight co-main event artem loba uh, michael johnson minus 600 come back in artem loba plus 450 uh, there's a video breakdown on junkie on these if you don't notice um since i'm only doing the main event now write-ups I'm still going to be doing like co-main event uh, videos, breakdowns with the radio team, um, where we break these fights down So uh, on Junkie. So keep an eye out for those. And then, of course, I try to repost them through my Twitter as well. But, uh, yeah, Michael Johnson's taking this fight on short notice. But, you know, we had him in the studio, uh, Fight Week UFC 229. And uh, he, he, he did end up having some of the whiskey uh, that I poured him, granted. But... Uh, it was just just for a joke, for a taste test. But uh, he he really um, he really doesn't party as much anymore. Uh, he's been saying he's been toning it down. He's admitting that uh, <laughs> he's definitely got a you know crazy in his day. Some some Michael Johnson stories and partying for sure. But uh, he seemed pretty genuine, saying that he's toned it down and, and he kind of just he, he's never had a lot of weight to cut. And he's always been a good athlete. So it's never been an issue for him to take short notice fights, but him just stating that he's you know we, you know winding that part of his life down, just staying ready and staying in the gym, um, I believe it because then you know the pictures that he posted, he actually didn't look that far out of shape. He didn't look out of shape at all when I saw him in Vegas in person. Uh, so and I think it's a, a tailor made fight for him, where it's just his speed and his footwork and his striking prowess uh, is going to get him. Uh, the line is saying toward decision. I can see that. Lobov has underrated uh, chin, and he doesn't give up. Say what you will about him, but he doesn't give up. And Lobov, for a short-notice opponent, it's probably one of the better opponents you could give Lobov. Sure, he's a dangerous southpaw striker, but who is uh, Lobov's main training partner for years? He's a dangerous southpaw striker. So um, It's not going to be that big of a swing. So I guess in some senses, the, the big line surprised me for a two-week short replacement, but... When you just look at the matchup, it's hard not to side with Johnson there. So really not much to say about there. All right. What are we at for time? Wow. Hour and ten. Not too bad. Wanted to be done by now, but all right. Volkan Ozdemir, the favorite in the main event. Minus 160. The comeback on Anthony Smith, plus 140. It's slightly tightened from the opener, or at least what it was earlier this week. Um, 
seeing people on Smith, which surprised me because I was surprised that I ended up on Smith. Um, like I said on the breakdown, for more in-depth, you can go MMA Junkie Radio or MMAJunkie.com. It's posted up there, pinned to my profile, at Dan Tom MMA. But, yeah, um, yeah, Ozdemir is the deserved favorite here. Don't get me wrong. Um, he has, for a fight that's probably going to be a firefight, so it sounds silly to say one guy's more chance than the other. But, yeah, he has more of a chance early, if I had to say, than Anthony Smith, who traditionally starts slow, although at light heavyweight hasn't been the case. Anthony Smith, a traditional slow starter, but... Gets better as the fight goes on, so what's proven sample size will tell you Anthony Smith will get better as the fight goes on. But as far as fighting process goes, Ozdemir, I would argue, is the more process-driven fighter or has the more reliable process that drives him. Uh, really good pressure fighter. Uh, pressure Muay Thai, boxing, you know, follows it, punctuates with kicks. Um, and both of them, I, you know, I put electric fences as, as a, a subject point for my points of interest for this fight because both of them, man, they, they really turn those inner black octagon... <laughs> oh, my dog's looking really cute looking at me right now. They really turn those inner black octagon lines. Whenever their opponent gets in between the inner black octagon lines and the fence, they just they, they, they really turn up on them. So that's what I'm going to be looking for is pressure. Whoever can pressure their guy in the inner black octagon line is going to be looking good. And I could see Volcan doing that early, uh, much more than Smith. Not, Smith is very seldom takes a step back, but he will also kind of move laterally and he will circle when he needs to as well. So, And he's a slower starter traditionally, usually, maybe not lately. Um, so I'll say that's definitely, you know, on paper Volcan there. But Volcan, and I made the mistake in my break, I made two mistakes in my breakdown. Speaking of, like I, I alluded to earlier, just when you speak so much, you just say stupid stuff and you don't mean to. Um, I said Volkan Olzmir has only been out. He's only it's only only been in first round fights outside of his three round decisions, which isn't true. He his his two losses were in the second round to Kelly Edinson and Daniel Cormier, both on the ground. Um, but yeah, Volkan though he has only been to decision though three times in his whole career and a disproportionate amount of first round finishes. That is true. And then it's kind of worrisome because if you look at the more relevant three-round decisions, the the more later ones, the more relevant ones, the one right before his fight into the UFC, and of course, granted it was a short-notice debut against Ovin St. Preux, his debut in the UFC, he started getting tired come the second round and lost the third round, I believe, in both those fights. And the first fight against, a, I don't know, the gentleman wasn't as good or accoladed as a guy. He was taking it to the guy. Like, he was out grappling the guy, and he's a striker, right? Like, that's how overskilled he was with this dude. But he just got so tired that he was, like, just tired letting the guy push him against the fence and work him and punch on him almost at times. Like, I was like, damn. So I don't know if that's... And that fight was at heavyweight. So I don't know if this is, just like, something that's hardwired into Vulcan or something that was just those fights. Uh, he looks like he's a guy who doesn't cut corners as far as his conditioning goes. He works his ass off and just trains... Um, split time did part of his camp in Florida and then the last month at TriStar so I think the TriStar move is a good one because I think Faraz TriStar and Faraz it's the three things that I it's opportunistic takedowns as far as the wrestling goes ring generalship and jab fundamentals and all those are like staples of Ozdemir's game so they were essentially stereotypically at least how I see it would be just building onto what's already there, which is great. That's a best case scenario. You just, you know, for 
for this kind of thing. But like any camp changes, there's always that adjusting period, which kind of is something to watch for here. Whereas Anthony Smith, you know, it's deceptive. He's got a bad record, but you look at it, he was just fighting all the time, like every weekend kind of thing. Young, dumb, full of, no, just kidding. But, uh, you know, not, 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 you know, not even, you know, training at the best places. Uh, so it makes sense when you look at those losses and whatnot. And now he's training at Factory X Muay Thai again, bringing back Mark Montoya back into the equation. Uh, and surprise, surprise, he's been on an uptrend as well. Um, you know, he lost some focus there against uh, Tiago Santos. Um, granted, that's not a, a terrible loss. Um, that was his last fight at 185. He was he was already complaining about weight cuts before that fight. Not not saying that's an excuse. Smith certainly didn't use it as an excuse, so I'm not trying to put that project that out there. Uh, but you know, again, things to think about. Other than that, he's been on this on, on this really nice run, and uh, you know, again, I, I like Anthony Smith's game. Good half guard, wrist controls, uh, deceptive wrestling, or deceptive grappling overall, I should say. So even though Ozdemir like really transitions well when he's on top, like he floats and goes to mount really well, I'm not sure he's gonna have his way there now. Maybe he steps up the wrestling because he does have underrated wrestling and that, that that could be a definite path. But again, unless he puts a finish on him, I could see him controlling Anthony Smith and frustrating him and doing takedowns for the first two rounds. But again, with those past trends, what happens then? You start getting tired. He, we've seen him get tired in striking contests and we've seen him get tired in grappling contests um, in victory and defeat, by the way. So until I see that trend break, I can't, play or pick against something I haven't seen. So, in other words, if that's the case, and unless Ozdemir finishes him early like he, he's proven he can do, then it's Anthony Smith for me. So I'm thinking Anthony Smith, um, round three. He's an underdog here, but it's just such a volatile fight. I felt like staying away. But I also felt like putting my money where my mouth is because, again, I, I said something stupid again. I said Anthony Smith's one of the best third-round fighters in any division in my breakdown. I don't mean that, and I didn't even mean to say that. Again, you talk a lot. You're just going to say shit. Back to my previous point. I don't know why I said that. Obviously, I'm aware of guys named Yoel Romero and Brian T. City Ortega, but you get the point. Um, Anthony Smith gets better as the fight goes on. He does have a a handful of third-round finishes to his name, and I think that is my pick there. I am sticking to it. Uh, even though what I said was stupid and how I put it was dumb, oh, I do mean it. I, I am sticking to my guns. And I even sprinkled a quarter unit at plus uh, 1,075, which is the minimum cutoff point for a round three play. The, the Derek Love. Shout out to Derek Love. Derek Love, round three play. Anthony Smith, round three. This is my fun sprinkle, but I'm not running to tell you to, to play this fight, by the way, but I am sticking to my guns. That is the pick, Smith, round three. I didn't really like the overs or the unders. None of the props stood out to me other than that Herman by decision plus 800, um, which is just fucking recoculous. I, I haven't used that word in a while. But yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I listening back to the podcast. I forgot that I used to call your guys' uh, portion of the, this podcast submissions and transitions where you would submit your top five or if you had any questions. Um, and I need to get back to calling it that, even though that's a little more cheesy radio segmentation stuff. But whatever. Kind of do that anyways, right? Uh, speaking of questions, I could have swore I had a question, and I think it was in like DMs or s Facebook or somewhere, and I said that was a good question. 
I want to answer that on the Protect Your Neck podcast. Is it okay if I read it and answer it there? And the person said, yeah, I just don't th- remember if I answered them or not. So if you're still listening to this podcast and you're like, fucking asshole didn't get back to me. If you haven't given back, given up on me, whoever you are, re-message me. Because uh, I, I actively went to look for that message and I could not find it. Um, and I will answer it on the podcast. And for the rest of you, at DanTomMMA, whether you want to DM or you want to email the podcast, protect your neck podcast at gmail.com I haven't checked it in a while I will just be better at checking it any way you want even if you want to just reach out to the Facebook uh, I'm sure there's ways you can message the page there at PYM at the PYM podcast on Facebook Twitter and Instagram same address for each at the PYM podcast uh, you can get to us there and even if you don't want to message the podcast I keep you know adding on here this message but bear with me even if you don't want to message the podcast, can you give us an ad anyways? Because it helps the podcast. Uh, Dan Tom is eventually trying to get his shit together. I know I failed at tracking this damn thing, and I'm still trying to get us up on Stitcher and other podcast platforms because I'm a lazy bastard. I know Jordan Fiegelman's probably yelling at me because he's given me not one but two different tutorials on how to do this damn thing, and I'm just really bad. I, I feel like I need to just hire a podcast person and spend money because... Even the charity from my good-natured friends seemingly aren't enough because I'm, I'm that much of a stubborn asshole. But yeah, I will be getting my shit together uh, eventually, and, and the follows definitely help uh, as far as like you know sponsors and traction goes on that. Um, uh, as you know, I've already stepped it up uh, as far as being more regular with these. I know I hit a bit of a hiatus for reasons that I won't get back into this year. But man, we're back. We're rolling. We're, we're doing really well. We're we're uh, we're having fun with these, man. We're getting a lot of positive responses from these top five episodes and I really appreciate you guys listening I really they're the most fun they're the I'm not gonna lie they're more fun than these breakdown episodes uh just because uh, I'm a history buff and I'm a martial arts buff and that's right up my alley so I really want to make sure uh you know I can't own it it's top five everybody can do top tens top fives if you will but um but I like this format that I have going on man um I like the fact that I can have different guests on although I will say my my go-to man is at, at this point, and it's no secret, jo- Jordan Killian. Uh, you guys love the chemistry that we have. I, I appreciate that feedback. And uh, I'm not going to lie, nor can I hide. I, I love the feedback with my man Jordan. He's welcome on this anytime. If I would ever turn this thing over for anybody to host, I, he'd be the first person uh, I would entrust the steering wheel to. to. That being said, uh, I do plan on getting more uh, different hosts to help those episodes just because it's, it's, it's just fun like that. And, of course bringing back other hosts uh, from the past uh, on, um, you know, um, and if, you know, uh, you know, you are interested in a topic or have a suggestion for the show, uh, a suggestion for a guest, reach out to me with that too, seriously, please, uh, at Dan Tom MMA, at the PYM Podcast, uh, a lot of feedback base, um, and if you have good feedback, Share it on iTunes. Uh, up until now, we've had all five-star reviews. Uh, someone wanted to be a D-bag and give us a one-star. But you know what? It was that person's right, and I won't even call him a D-bag because I will retract that. I'm the D-bag, uh, especially after listening back to a lot of these episodes. I would give myself a one for a lot of it, to be honest. So you know what? That one-star is fair. But if you feel that it wasn't fair, you're like what you're listening to. i got to imagine why else would you listen to my droning ass for this long for Please go to the Protect Your Neck podcast on iTunes. I haven't plugged this in a minute, so I'm ending this episode earlier than I do others, at least, even though longer than I wanted to. So I'll just plug it now before I get out of here. Um, anything positive would be awesome, but just the five stars would be great. 
subscribe, and tell a friend. And Amazon and, and on it, uh, there actually have been a couple purchases, but I'm not going to read them for this one because I didn't get them together. Um, but there are click-throughs there, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Of course, if you're not an iTunes listener, there are smartphone-friendly players at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. You used to have to go forward slash podcast. You still can, although I stopped updating that page a couple of podcasts ago. All the page It's now auto-updates to the front page. I did revamp the front page. See, I am doing some work, as you can see there. And there are smartphone-friendly players embedded, so you can go to it on your smartphone play and then you can actually like exit out of the page and it'll still play you can go about your twitter and your surfing and you don't have to be held hostage to my webpage while still listening to it so for those of you who are like why are you on stitcher yet you have every right to be mad at me but i, I in my defense I, I i have and still will always offer you that option at mixedmarshallanalyst.com where you can click through the amazon and itunes banners all right i'm gonna get the fuck out of here thank you guys for listening uh, good luck on your picks plays uh, that, that, that you make, if, if you made any at all. Good luck on your Halloween costumes. Hit me up with your Halloween or movie jargon or just fight jargon. Any feedback from these podcasts, I love just listening to what you guys like, we're laughing at, little tidbits that you appreciated. It, it, it really does mean a lot to me. So thank you, and of course, always protect your next.